Thank you very much, Logan. That was wonderful for you to join us this evening and bring us those worship songs, those amazing carols that last throughout the entire year. And from our perspective, we have one more day until Christmas, and so far it has not been canceled this year. And we have waited all year for it, and tomorrow morning, we get to celebrate that amazing day of Christ's birth. And as we think about that, I want to draw our attention to Luke chapter 2 that gives us the beautiful historical record of the birth of Christ with words that are very familiar to us. It reads as following, starting in verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Canerus was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own hometown to register. So Jess, Jess, Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them in the inn. The words are familiar to us. The story is familiar to us. We think about it every year, this time of year, what Mary and Joseph had to go through. First of all, this order from the government to go get registered so they could be taxed. And then it just so happened that in that moment of going back to his hometown, she has to have the baby. And in their day, it probably would not have been very odd at all to have the child at home. That would have been the normal way of doing things. They had no hospitals. They had no type of health care like that. They had midwives that would help through the labor, but they were pretty much on their own as a couple, especially in a town where, even though he was from there, he obviously didn't have any relatives to spend the night, and they tried to find a room at the inn, and there was none. Now, I've heard a lot of Christmas messages, especially on this text, and it never fails that somewhere in that Christmas message, there's going to be a pastor who says, just like there was no room for Jesus in the inn, you have to make room for Jesus in your heart. And they make some type of application about there's no room at the inn, but you need to have room for Jesus. And I have no idea where that comes from, from the text. Because the text is a historical record telling us exactly what took place. The application of it is somewhat really radically different than that good feel moment of you need to make room for Jesus in your heart and in your life. The birth of Christ is not about making room when the inn turned them away. What the birth of Christ is about is that real lowly status that Christ was born into. It would be a status and a position and a place and an event that we would feel very uncomfortable with. We would not want that to happen to our wife, to our children, to be born in that kind of situation where your first place that you lay your head to rest is in an animal's feeding trough. Now, I've not been around many animal feeding troughs, but I've had dogs that eat out of bowls. I certainly don't want to put anything valuable in that bowl. And yet that's where the Son of God, the incarnate Son of God, was laid to rest. The point of that is to show the lowly nature 
of Christ's birth. And the reason why I know that that's the whole point of that story in Luke chapter 2 is because Paul, in part, explains it in Philippians chapter 2. And I want to turn there and just take a brief look at what Paul talks about, the importance of the incarnation and what it means to us. And he starts in Philippians chapter 2, and the entire chapter is amazing and fantastic. But we're going to start up in verse 6 of Philippians chapter 2 and see what the importance of the incarnation, the birth of Christ, meant for us, especially in this lowly state of having nowhere to have the child but in an animal's stable. It says in verse 6, Who being the very nature of God, speaking about Jesus Christ here, who being in the very nature of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. That's talking about his birth. The humble origin of his life here on earth was an amazing, radical difference from his existence beforehand in the glories of heaven, seeing all of the beauties of heaven now being bound to human flesh as a child without any fanfare, without any great celebration. Yes, the angels come in and later in chapter 2 and they declare his birth to a group of shepherds. Not to the important people in Bethlehem, but to sort of those people who were working in the middle of the night. And later on, just a few wise men find out about this and, and come and visit him. But there was no big, great announcement. It was very humble. It was very subdued. It was very lowly. And Paul says, Christ took that upon himself. And he continues in verse 8 and says, And being found in the appearance of a man, that is, having human flesh, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, the birth of Christ in the great fulfillment of that promise that Israel waited for for hundreds of years boiled down to one historical event, the cross. Christ was born so that he would bear the sins of the world upon his shoulders for you and for me. That took humility. The Son of God who spoke the world into existence by the power of his word created all things, being humbled made human, living according to the law perfectly, and then dying on a cross for your benefit and for mine. Paul says that's the epitome of humility. If you want to know what it's like to live a humble life, you look at Christ. If you want to know what it's like to put others first, you look at Christ. If you want to know what it's like to put the Father first, you look at Christ. Christ is the example of humility starting at his birth. You see, so that birth story in Luke chapter 2 is not about making room for Jesus. It's about the example of Christ's humility coming in human flesh and knowing at that very moment his destiny was to be hung upon a cross and to die for our sins. Now there's a lot of application in that. There's application in that about our need to be ready to embrace that forgiveness, that salvation that Christ offers. So we do have to be ready to engage 
with the forgiveness that God offers through Jesus Christ. That's salvation. We have to be ready to seek forgiveness. We have to be ready to seek His mercy. Yes, we do have to be ready to receive Christ as our Lord and Savior. But the story is much more than that. It's not just a one-time event of salvation. It's a lifestyle of humility. And earlier in uh, Philippians chapter 2, Paul prefaces that beautiful statement about Christ with the application. So Paul brings us the application first and then tells us why we have to apply it. And the application that he brings to us starts in verse 1 of Philippians chapter 2. So if you want to know how do I apply the birth of Christ, the celebration of Christmas, the humility of Christ, his example to us, and the amazing cost of his life, it boils down to these five verses in Philippians chapter 2. Paul says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any excitement about being a believer, a Christian, any comfort of his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the Spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Value others above yourself. Not looking out for your own interests, but each other. Look out for their interests. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then that's where Paul picks up. Have this humble nature. Have this humble spirit. Be obedient to the Lord because Christ did. Christ was more humble than we ever possibly can be. His example to us was real and tangible. And his call to us is to live humbly in light of that. Yes, we can celebrate his birth. We can shout with the angels. We can rejoice that he is here. Joy to the world indeed. But at the same time, he calls us to more than just celebrating and remembering. He calls us to live in humility, loving others, counting others more important than ourselves, treating others with more than just respect, but with compassion, living compassionately. And so as the band comes up and I close in prayer, if you have your candle, now would be a great time to get it out as we pray, and we will light them together. Let's pray. Father, we pray that we would be mindful that as we celebrate the life and birth of Christ, that we would also be mindful that you call us to a life that is filled with humility and considering others more important than ourselves. I thank you, Father, that that was the spirit that was in Christ, that that was his nature, and that he fulfilled it perfectly on our behalf. Thank you, Father, for sending your son to redeem us. And all of God's people said, Amen.